Welcome to the Angels Podcast, Neurodivergent Chats, where we chat about life as neurodivergent families. If you have any topics you'd like us to discuss or any questions, please email us at podcast at angelsupportgroup.org.uk. We'd love to hear from you. Welcome to Angels Neurodiversity Chats. Um, I'm with Lisa and Penny um, today, and I'm Judith, and we were going to talk about educational healthcare plans. So uh, we've done a podcast you may have listened to about SEND support in school, and we left that at the point of if, if we get to a stage where that isn't enough and our child uh, children are not managing to access education, that we might get to a point where we need to consider an educational healthcare plan, EHCP. So yeah, so we're going to have our podcast now having a bit of a chat about what they are and why we might need them. So essentially, an EHCP um, is a sort of a legally binding document that describes all of an individual child's needs and the provision that should be made to ensure that they can make the progress they need to make. And you start off, what you're actually asking for when you ask for an EHCP is you're asking for your child's needs to be assessed. So you're asking for an education healthcare needs assessment Absolutely. Um, and that's the, the form that you fill in and, and you make a request for your child's needs to be assessed on the basis that they're not making progress, um, they've got barriers to learning that we don't understand, um, they haven't, ha haven't been assessed and so therefore if we don't understand what their barriers to learning are then they're going to need, they go, their needs aren't being met essentially. And, and I think there is a higher level of need than that which can be provided yeah. typically and that might have been provided on that same support plan that we've been through before often before we get to this point. Yeah and it, it should be things that you wouldn't expect a school to put in place yeah. without the, the need for a plan or additional funding. Yeah. So um, the threshold is quite low in comparison to where it used to be years ago but it's it still takes into account whether the child has needs that are above what school should reasonably yeah. be expected to provide for. Yeah. So to, the threshold to ask for a needs assessment is is quite low yeah. indeed. It's basically does the child have identified SEN special educational needs, and might they need specialist provision to be made? Yeah, might they need an EHC plan? Those are the yeah. two legal questions. That, that they have to go by. Um, they do have to consider certain things um, in regards to make, coming to the conclusion of that, yeah. and that is what has the school already tried or, or haven't tried? Um, what's the progress that the child is or isn't making? And when we talk about progress, that is in line with the academic progress, but there is also the need to look at their social and emotional development and progress um, so you can't just rule that they don't need a needs assessment because academically they're achieving it there are lots of different layers of different things that they have to look at so those three things are the first three and then they um, have to look at um, whether the child has got support in place and if they have if that support was removed would they continue to make progress and that's also another part of that when you're considering whether you would carry out an EHC yeah. needs assessment. So, and that's the key one a lot of the time because a lot of our children 
are making progress because there is support in place and then it's whether or not if that was removed whether that progress would continue um, and sometimes that's the bit that gets overlooked or the local authority might deem that they're, they're making enough progress and not consider that it's only because of that support that's in place mm. so it is really important to understand that they do have to take into account all of those things when they're making their decision whether to carry out that assessment or not but they they can't fundamentally use those reasons as not a good enough reason to not carry yeah, out an yeah. assessment one of the one of the key um thing things to remember is that you can't really use the reason that there's not enough evidence of that there's needs to not do a needs assessment because there's a inherently illogical yeah to that argument. exactly we don't we, exactly so we need the needs assessment we want to get to yeah. the assessment to fully understand so what we're saying is we we we, understand, we don't know what's going on for this child well enough. We need to get that expertise yeah. in to assess the needs. And that effectively is what uh, applying for this needs assessment will do. If we get through that first hurdle, and we'll explain the process a little bit uh, in a minute, but that, that we would then get professionals involved to actually spend time and with you, our children. You might also be told by your school or whoever you talk to that you need lots of evidence that we have to do the graduated response cycle for so many Time. times before you can apply that's not strictly true no. and you don't have to have gone through the whole graduated response mm. to apply for an education health and care needs assessment um, and evidence wise you don't need loads of evidence you just need to show that the child isn't making progress or accessing their education mm. and isn't um, hasn't had their needs identified don't, we don't fully know what yeah. the barriers are and we suspect there are more yeah. needs and therefore and we need so to that's why yeah. we need that assessment so you get told a lot of things that are not strictly true or certainly not within the guidance yeah. um for making that that request and i think uh, another one while we're on that kind of topic of what what is and isn't uh, true is that um you know well a couple of things firstly you as parent can take this process yourself there is a form on the website of any local authority but in Hertfordshire on Hart's local offer and you can fill out the form um, and you as a parent can start this process and um, school might say to you and we've you know that they don't think your child will get a plan or they don't think they've got enough need or they're still bright in, they're bright enough so they're not none of those as we've explained they're not in the the um, criteria in the threshold so um actually it's not about um their ability it's about are they not accessing their education can they not yeah and what are their needs the and, and what are the barriers that are preventing them from accessing their yeah. education so even if you've got some needs identified we might need to still delve further yeah. to fully identify what the barriers are within that. So, for instance, you might have a child with autism who is really struggling in school. Well, just having autism might not be the full reason why they're really struggling in school. They might be struggling with speech and language needs that haven't been identified, or they might be struggling with some learning need that hasn't been identified. So until we get a needs assessment we can't fully understand what the barriers are yeah. for that child so it's really important to 
think about why you're applying for an EHC needs assessment um, and what the, the barriers, you know, why is your yeah. child not making that yeah. progress? Why, why is it you think? And, and in an ideal world, you and the school will do it yes, together. absolutely. And you'll be on the same page. And um, for lots of our parents, schools will ask them if, if they if They, they might apply. initiate it. They might well time. initiate yes. it. And they often do. And, and, mm. and that's great because partnership working between schools and the parents is brilliant because that gets will get you a better quality mm. um, EHCP and also eventually, you know, an education for your child. Mm. But we know in reality that it's not always like that. And sometimes, particularly with um, autistic children that mask, mm. sometimes it's only at home that you see how much they're struggling with aspects of their school life and their education and school at school they're masking and school don't see it so there's quite often i mean we, we at angels we're quite often supporting parents where school don't see the need but actually parents know that there's unmet need there that's not identified that no one's understanding um so in, in those situations it, it is could well be that a parent needs to apply on their own and that's why the code that's why you can't it do that, is in there precisely yeah precisely and I think, for that reason i think i vaguely remember from my ipsy training as well that that one of the reasons for um an applying for an education one of the reasons for applying for an education needs healthcare assessment is even if the needs are identified and you know, and somebody has already said these are the needs this is a provision that has to be made mm. but the school aren't putting that in place yeah then an applying for an education needs a health uh, an assessment means that you could get a plan that then enforces that. Yeah. And ideally, you don't want that to be the situation, but there is that provision in the law that says, okay, so we do know actually what this child needs. They don't necessarily need to have their needs assessed again, but they need a plan because the school aren't doing it. Yeah. And that is there in, in the legislation yeah. as an option. So applying for an EHC, needs assessment is essentially a 20-week process mm -hmm. um, and the first six weeks is the decision-making uh, time frame that the local authority have to decide whether they're going to carry out that needs assessment or not yeah. um, and you get notified at the end of that six weeks whether or not they will carry out an assessment. You then have a choice at that stage if they're not going to carry out the assessment, you have the right to appeal that decision. Um, you do have to seek mediation, but you don't have to attend mediation, uh, but you do have to contact them and ask for a mediation certificate if you want to appeal. Um, or you can go to mediation and sit with the local authority and, and discuss why they don't feel the need to carry out that assessment. If they do decide that they're going to carry out the assessment then the, can, the timeline continues and the assessment carries on from that point and you've got another 14 weeks in which for them to send in the professionals and get the evidence that they require um, before they make the, the next decision and the, there are five pieces of evidence yeah so that's evidence from the parent evidence from the school evidence from a pediatrician evidence from or a health professional evidence from social care and an, an evidence from an educational psychologist and those are the five pieces that they legally Set out in law. yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, 
anything else they can they can seek speech and language or ot or occupational yeah. therapy physiotherapy they any Thing else, mental health, health, mental health yeah. any of those, they can get information. Mm. And if you think they need that, then you, you can suggest them. that, yeah. Mm. Uh, but it's not legal. They they don't legally have to do that. So those are the that that's the key thing that if they're carrying out an assessment, those are the five pieces of information that they're going to use to determine whether or not your child needs that education, health and care plan. And the next step, so there's kind of two hurdles in this 20 week process as I look at it. The first hurdle is after that first six weeks to establish are they actually going to agree to do a needs assessment? So yes or no, if, if the answer is no, as Penny says, you could appeal. If the answer is yes, or if after appeal it's yes, you then move into the next stage where they gather that evidence and they seek those uh, in, those five pieces of input as a minimum. Um, and then it's from that, do they have they agreed to issue a plan yep. or not? So again, there's another uh, fork in the road, if mm. you like. Uh, and, and if they do agree to issue a plan, then... We, we follow down that path and a lot of that professional input particularly the ep the educational psychologist report is kind of put into that plan and if they decide not to issue a plan again you have the opportunity to yeah go. they generally issue you a written feedback yeah a statement of feedback or something it's called and that basically looks like an education health and care plan but it has no legal enforcement with it um and we would always advise, and so would Ipsy, um, that if you get one of those, you should appeal. You shouldn't. You should never accept that as okay because you can't make school put that in place legally. Um, some schools will put the stuff that's recommended in it in place, yeah. um, but it's generally, you know, if they they're feeling that they have got things in that that should be put in place well, really yeah, you should have any OT plan yeah. yeah well in so theory schools do have an obligation a legal obligation to put that stuff in place yeah the difference between whether it's in an education health care plan or mm. a written statement is that you don't have a mechanism to enforce it yeah so it's schools still have an obligation to put all of that provision yeah. in um but if you haven't got a plan an ehc plan then you can't there's nothing it. you can do about no, it really nothing. there isn't the access to the tribunal no no well there is no or judicial review or, judicial or anything yeah. there is yeah. no recourse for making school put it in place so yeah that's the difference and that's why it's usually important to appeal that so that you actually have a plan yeah that then will be able to be legally enforced if the things aren't being put into place that should be so depending at what point i mean there's a there's a lot more and it's quite you know it's a tricky old process to go through and it could be quite you know hard work on on the family and quite tough for people to go through but uh, angels is here we we often support people through this process yeah. and we have workshops so please do come to us if you're at any point on this or need some advice but um it's there are, there are lots of elements to it but i think uh it's very has been very valuable for for many and it puts you into a position where there if the, we get the needs well uh, documented and the issue here is really making sure that it's very specific particularly the provision to meet those needs we need to have it very really you know, really quite tightly yes. written down so if you specified and quantified so if you get you. if you get issued with an ehc plan then there are parts of that plan that are legally enforceable 
and they're very specifically laid out. So section B details all of the child's special educational needs. Yeah. And then section E details all of the outcomes that the child should be achieving. Mm. Section F details all of the provision, and that's what really needs to be specified and quantified. Mm. Provision being, just to be clear, what provision is, provision means what the school actually does, does. What, yeah. What, yeah. how they deliver the service. What, what, they, they, like put what they put in place support, yeah. and how it's delivered. And that has to be specified and quantified. Um, and they shouldn't be using what we call woolly words in that. So have access to. That's not uh, that's not specified, specified or quantified. So yeah. yeah, it's those sorts of things that you have to be mindful of in section F. And then section I is your naming of your school placement, which school you want your child to attend. Um, and when you get, if you get given an EHC plan, you get given a draft initially. And section I will always be blank in draft form. So it's never naming a school in no. draft form because when you receive that draft plan, you have 15 calendar days to look through it, agree or disagree, ask for changes, whatever, and then you're asked to name the school placement that you would like. And then that's a whole new thing where the local authority have to consult with the schools and then they make a decision whether they're going to name the school you've choose, chosen or not. And then when you get the final plan back, which is usually about six weeks after you've had your draft, um, you also then again get the right to appeal. So if they haven't agreed with the school that you want or they haven't specified and quantified Section F or the outcomes aren't particularly great, whatever, you get the right to appeal. But there are only certain sections that you have the right to appeal. And that's sections B, F and I in the education. And then the tribunal can also look at the social care and the health sections and they can make recommendations, but there's no legal enforcement for either of those sections. So um, it's the, the educational sections that are legally enforceable. The education feels like it leads this. Uh, yeah, yeah. Really. you have to have an education element. Yes. Yeah. Um, and and um, you can have an EHCP um, for any child who is in education, training, apprenticeships, yes, schools and yeah. college, but not if they're in work and there's no training element, and not no. if they're at university. Higher education is, is yeah. different separate. system. Yeah. yeah, and it goes up, and it can go up to the age of 25. Yeah. As long yeah. as they've not entered yeah. higher education. Yeah, yeah. so as long as they've still got an educational need, they're still accessing some form of education. Training um, or apprenticeship. <laughs> yeah, then they can, they can that plan can stay in place yeah. until they're 25. So um, gives you a bit longer to achieve. Yeah, the yeah. Which is so even if your child, for instance, is you know not in your, you know not in primary or not even a, you know there, there's still we have supported parents through with older children, yeah, you know, sixteen yeah. year old, seventeen year old, because it, it, as you say it goes. Yeah, and you can apply at any time. Yeah, you can. You don't have the idea being that often for our children it takes them longer to get to where they need to get to. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, they take longer to achieve their educational outcomes. And that's fine. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And it's kind of one of one of the things, sorry, that I know that people often worry about is those five pieces of advice that you mentioned about the parent input and the school input, um, and the educational psychology input. And the health input, generally that takes the form of asking the local paediatrician or whoever it is that your child 
might be under um, for some information about them, what they've got on record. And then the social care bit, um, often, so if your child does have support from social care and you've got social care input in your family, then that should be included in the in the plan and detailed in the plan. But if your child isn't, you don't have that sort of input, generally what happens is social care will just write back this child is not known to us. Yeah. And that is the only piece of evidence that will go in. So I think people worry about the social care thing. Yes. Where they think they're worried about social care and they think that if they ask for a plan and social care are asked, then, to, you know, yeah. it will be a negative thing. But it's not at all. No. And you do, when you're requesting the EHC needs assessment, you can request assessment from social you care can, yeah. as part of yeah. that. Um, again, a child might have needs yeah. that yeah. social care needs. So it, it's not always um, negative. It can sometimes no, be all. a positive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And equally, if your child is not known and you don't feel you need uh, anything, yeah, then so you don't need just say it's just yeah. mine, isn't but it? For quite a lot of our children, they they might well need help from social care to help them to access the community, to access social um, activities outside of the home yeah. they might need and especially as they grow into being teenagers and young adults yeah so yeah that's that's why that's there and it's not something mm. to be worried about no exactly yeah and i guess the other thing to say so that's a kind of very broad brush looked at the the process and who's involved and why you might initiate and the fact that parents as well as schools and in conjunction school can initiate the outcome at the end is a document that is legally binding that sets out your child's needs, the provision or the, the support needed to meet those needs and where they will attend school or college. And that plan is reviewed on a 12, uh, annual basis. Yes, yeah. annually. Yeah. It's every six months for under fives. Yes, yes of course. But so. for over fives, it's every year. Yeah. Yeah. And that's important because they obviously things change and uh, yeah. and their needs change and the provision to meet those needs changes. Um, so it's uh, it's that's an important mechanism. And, and we, as we're often telling parents, you actually just need to think that this is what we're doing for this year. It can, if the provision needs to change, that's, that's the conversation yeah. to have. And the also, if you do have to appeal your finalised plan to get sections B, F or I, uh, as you want them, um, the tribunal order stays in place for 12 months. Yeah. So if things have to be changed in the plan due to the tribunal order, that has to remain in that plan for the next 12 months. And sometimes when you come to annual review, there might only be minor changes yeah. needed because a year isn't that long. <laughs> um, so if there's any minor change needed, it doesn't necessarily need to be amended every year. It no. might just be that, that you review it and you go, actually, this is fine, we're happy with this. Yeah. Um, and that's great, and it, it doesn't need to be amended every year, but the option is there, yeah. it's, yeah. you know. As is uh, what they call an emergency review, so a quicker, sooner than that time frame, if for any reason you feel that the plan is not fit the purpose meeting their needs or there's some change you want to see you yeah. can call an emergency review yeah and yeah. it's the same kind of, it's like an annual review it's just happening sooner yeah and then if the child has met all the needs and doesn't have an educational need anymore um then the local authority can decide to cease to maintain um, and again with all the decisions that they make at annual review on your ehc plan 
you will always have the right to appeal. Mm. So it's never a final decision yeah. um, unless you're happy with it. Um, you get the right to take it to Just watch your time frames on the yeah. On the, on yeah, you have appeals. two months from the date of your finalised DHC plans in which to lodge a tribunal yeah. uh, for those. And I think it's... This is it's the same for refusal to assess they're two all, months. They're all two months. Yeah, yeah, two months. So if and refusal to issue, um, you get two months from the date of the letters that state the de the decision. Yeah. Um, so it's really clear they should it should set out your right to appeal, um, and give you the contacts for what you need to do. Um, but you can always seek advice and support from either us or from other charities like Ipsy, um, yeah. who, who specialise in special educational needs. Yeah. They certainly can't just, and we certainly had this question before, just decide to stop the no. plan. That just can't happen. There has to be. Um, yeah, they have to have an annual review and that has to be the outcome of the annual review. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's, I think we've run through in a kind of high level the plan, the EACP needs assessment process and the out of a plan um there'll be more questions i'm sure we'll do more podcasts on this but for now we'll perhaps leave it there okay if you'd like to know more about angel support please check out our website www.angelsupportgroup.org.uk if you have any suggestions for topics or feedback for us please do email us at podcast at angelsupportgroup.org.uk thanks <laughs>